1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict
0: Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Wednesdays with Wombat with your host, Toby McKinnon.
2: Welcome to Trot's Life. Renee Gaia with Do You Know What I Mean? And I think you'll know what I mean uh, by the end of this show. She actually played at uh, the Inter Dominion in 1985. She was there and uh, played live on the night. And we've been working our way in a strange fashion through. The Inter-Dominions uh, in Victoria since, they, uh, moved, since we moved to Mooney Valley uh, way back when, in the 1970s. Uh, we did the first chat. We had a chat with Brian Gath about Mark Avina, who won on opening night at Mooney Valley. That's sort of what kicked it off. He also won the first Inter-Dominion at Mooney Valley. We had Brian Healy on last week, and no, we didn't talk about the Inter-Dominion. It didn't seem right to talk about a horse who was such a champion in Maori's Idol, about how we got beaten, but uh, it was still down that theme. And t- today we moved to 1985, the the second edition of an Inter-Dominion at Moonee Valley. And it was the year Pro Chevalier won. Scotch Notch also won the Trotters Inter-Dominion that year. And back then they actually staged the Trotters Inter-Dominion was on... Heat, uh, the third round of heats on the night of the third round of heats. So there used to be heats for the Trotters on, say, the Saturday and the Tuesday and then the final the next Saturday. So the uh, Trotters into Dominion wasn't actually on the same night as the Pacers into Dominion. Clearly with a horse like Scotch Notch, I wasn't able with the passing of Graham and Gavin Lang to get get either of them on. Uh, So I've gone down the focus towards... Pro Chevalier and, and everything that happened that night. And it was a famous nice night in the fact that he got vetted uh, right up. He arrived on course with a bit of colic and he was vetted before the race. Uh, the race uh, start of the race was actually put back a little bit. And there was huge drama around it. It was a record crowd at Moonee Valley. Not even when Winx was winning Cox Plates could they get as many there as what they did on that night. And... For a great part, there was a man by the name of Grant Tillett who ran the Inter-Dominion that year, and he, him and his team of people, and there would have been a lot behind the scenes, including um, Duncan McPherson, who's involved. At, he's the Cranbourne Duncan McPherson, who's on the committee at Cranbourne. He would have been involved in it as well, and folks like Robbie Pongo, who are still involved at HRV, they would have been around and, and working, on that 1985 Inter-Dominion, and and to get 40000 there, there must have been absolutely amazing. So throughout the show, I'll be joined by three different guests, Tom Hogan, who had a runner on the night uh, in the Consolation, had a run second in the Inter-Dominion the year prior, so it was a pretty good horse, Thor Lobel. So we'll catch up with Tara Tom Hogan about uh, fielding on it, what the horse Projevelia was like the drama around him being scratched. We'll catch up with Grant Tillett as well, as the, he was the general manager of racing and uh, responsible for the running of the Inter Dominion back then. So we'll catch up with him for a unique view of what the race was and what uh, the night was like, having so many people turn up. And also Clinton Welsh, who was driving on the night as well. He was only I think I've worked out maths roughly 24, 25 years of age Uh, and Clinton's going to join us as well and how it must have felt to be that age, 24, 25 years of age and driving in front of such a huge crowd. He only had two drives on the night. They were outsiders, but he was there in the driver's room as uh, there would have been stuff unfolding. I wonder if he went to stall 92A on the night. I can't even remember where 92A was, but that's where Pro Chevalier was on that night. I just picture in my mind's eye, and we'll find out from some people throughout. Were they 10 deep at the stalls to see this horse, Pro Chevalier? He won all three heats. He was the champion of the time. He, uh, The Inter-Dominion that year. Gamelite had won in 83 and 84 and was shooting for three years in a row. He eventually ran fourth in the final. Village Kid ran second, and he won the next year in 86. Pro Chevalier won all three rounds of heats, including a track record of 156.7 in the second round of heats. Uh, There was such drama before the race. He drew gate 12, and Village Kid led, in fact. Pro Chevalier locked wheels early and settled last. Then a horse called Quite Famous for Jimmy O'Sullivan. He took on Village Kid. And as he took him on, Pro Chevalier was coming around three wide. That was arguably the quickest section of the race was when this horse was three wide. And he worked to the front. Village Kid, uh, driver, Chris Lewis, handed up to Pro Chevalier and he went on for a famous victory. A horse called Gosh for the McDermott's. Um... Horse called Gosh for the McDermots was uh, sitting parked. He ran a very honourable race to run fifth or sixth. Skemelite had the great run in the 1 1. I've just gone back. You watched that replay and looking at Pro Chevalier. And another question I want to ask a few people just his chest looked huge. There's a horse in America at the moment, Buster Hanover. Buster Hanover? Yeah, Buster Hanover, I think it is. He's got that same huge looking chest. He was a champion, all right, Pro Chevalier. By Lumber Dream out of Heather Frost. He was fouled in New Zealand, passed in for, for from the sales he was. Uh, Ken and Wendy Lavin, Lavin purchased him and Barry Perkins trained and drove him in. from WA. 56 starts, 41 wins and 10 placings, $791,000. He broke a cannon bone in the WA derby as a three-year-old. He came back as a four-year-old. He ran third in a gold nugget to a horse called Classic Gary who we all know well. He won the 1984 WA Cup in 1.56.9, which was a track record for the 22.75. In 1984, just think about that, 1.56.9. He won a Victoria Cup in a track record of 1.59.3. He won a Miracle Mile in a race record of 1.56.7. He won the Hunter Cup by 23 metres in a track record of 1.58.5. He won the Inter-Dominion, he won the Queensland JP's Championship in 154-3, he won a New Zealand free-for-all, he got beaten in the New Zealand Cup and won the New Zealand free-for-all. All All of that in 84 and 85. All of that. WA Cup, Vic Cup, Miracle Mile, Hunter Cup, Inter-DOM, Queensland Championship and New Zealand free-for-all, all all in 84-85 before being retired to stud, where he only side 74 winners from 326 foals. He was some sort of a horse, pro Chevalier. Let's take our first break. Tara Tom Hogan has sent through a text to my phone saying he's sitting there waiting by the phone. I think he's looking forward to this because this must have been one of the nights of all nights on Trotting.
0: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
2: Yeah, well, if I, if I could turn back time, if I could go back in time, I reckon I'd go to Mooney Valley on the night. It was the night of March nineteen eighty-five, and a man that was there, Tom Hogan. Tom, mate, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you, and whereabouts are you today?
3: I'm on the Gold, on the sunny Gold Coast. Uh, uh, yeah, till. Um Friday night, and then we're off to the trucks for the semi finals for the, um, uh, not the Vic bread, whatever it's called. Breeders Crown.
2: Breeders' Crown.
3: Breeders' <laughs> Crown. Now. Breeders' Crown, yeah. $300,000 race, yep.
2: Don't worry about that. We're going back in time. Now, as I was looking through and doing my research on the Pro Chevalier into Dominion, I noticed the horse by the name of Thor Bell was in the consolation and there was a, a T Hogan in the ownership. Is that the same T Hogan that I'm talking to now?
3: Yeah, yes. Um, we owned a quarter, uh, 25% a quarter of him and uh, we managed the horse, Sue managed the horse. Thor Lobel, he was a, a good horse. He um, <laughs> One year, he uh, just in the one season, um, he won the Kilmore Cup, uh, Cranbourne Cup, Ballarat Cup, Bendigo Cup, and second in the Inner Dominion to the Great gamelite the year before in '84.
2: Yeah, and and third in a Miracle Mile. Throw in for good measure.
3: Third in the Miracle Mile as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. So. Yeah. He went, he was in the series. He drew gate eleven, gate nine, and gate eight in the three rounds of heats. Ran 5th, 4th and 6th. So I don't think we need to go into too much depth as to the excuses. Like, he had no luck with barrier draws. You're you, true to form. You drew 11 in the final as well. So Thorway Bell had no real luck in that series, Tom.
3: <laughs> no, no, he didn't. And he had a, quite a few issues coming into it. And um, he was uh, a little bit behind in his fitness
2: um, and didn't perform all that well. Well, that's that's arguable. Now... More about the night itself, mate. Were you working as a bookmaker, I assume, on the night?
3: Yep, I was. i had only got in there uh, about two weeks before um, the late... uh, Both of them have passed away now, Frank Ryan and uh, Arthur White. Uh, They were board members at the time, and they came to me uh, on a Monday afternoon meeting at Mooney Valley and said, look, would you be interested in... uh, work in the inner dominion I said, yeah, yeah, of course. I said, I'm not in yet, though. He said, uh, we've got to have a meeting um, this week and we'll be um, trying to get you in. And they both got me in, thanks to them. Where... I wasn't in there at the time as a permanent bookmaker.
2: So where did you... Just think...
3: opposite the rails I worked.
2: Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Very good. Now, tell us a bit about Pro Chevalier. He was a $1.50 favourite, I think, in the final. Was it? Was he that good, was he?
3: He was very, very good. He, he, he he's uh he was the champion. Um he, he he came from a long way back early. Um look there was a bit of drama early doors. Huh? there was a bit of rumour running around that he was crook and this and that and yeah. it was found out to have um the the mile mile mild, had a mild colic attack and um the trainer feared that he might be uh, withdrawn on, on vet advice and they had the vets down there for oh Forty minutes or an hour, anyhow he, he went out on the track and he warmed up, um, never came back in the race was supposed to jump at ten past ten, yeah, and they never got the race uh, started till about ten fifteen and he got past the fit uh, past fit to run, and uh settled down last early, yep, and made a move about fifteen hundred to go and found the front off uh village kid who surrendered the lead and uh he went on to win the race. As a two's on
2: favourite. When all that drama was happening, what what are you doing with his price? Are you just sitting there holding the price and just, just waiting to see what happens? Well, or- I can tell you there was
3: a couple of bookies that uh, would have been happy to see him withdrawn, even though uh, he was two's on favourite. Bill Hutchison was betting on the Inner Dominion for about three months, and it was taking out a fortune at the time and um, he was betting pre-post so no money would come back and unfortunately uh, Pro Chevalier ran and won and Bill had a massive payout but uh, all the bookies used to bet pre- well not all of them but you'd get in those days there was no corporate bookies and mm. the best way to get a bet on was go to the tote, come to the track um, and the bookies were betting pre-post on it for up to three months. And uh some of those bookmakers who did but work on the Inter Dominion pre-post was uh Bill Hutchison, Rob Malloy, Ralph Woods, a bloke called John Solange, myself, and the late Philip Knott. Yeah. He had a massive result in one year, but it didn't uh bring his fellow failed to pick up Shaker Maker, flashed home real late, was a bit unlucky, but Shaker Maker got the chocolates, and the difference was of the payout, I think, Briny fella fill out the payout $2,000 if it won, and if it won, Shaker Maker was $103,000. It 100000 oh. $100, difference, yeah. which is a bit of money.
2: Yeah, which is a lot of money. So so you literally just, you would have gone to Mooney Valley, say, three months before the Inter Dominion, and Bill Hutchinson would have a stand-up with the current race coming up, and then what, he'd have another stand with all the prices of horses for the inter, so you could get he'd on. He'd have early. a board. He, yeah. He'd have
3: a whiteboard up there. Oh, a yeah? whiteboard with a. He'd have the whiteboard up there with the prices. And uh, there was a lot of interest because there's nowhere else you could get on. You you'd, Yeah. You'd have to ring a bookie, you know. And it was illegal to take bets over the phone back then. Um, so they'd come to the track and put the money on.
2: Unbelievable stuff. So... The crowd on the night... Are there still, tow? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. We we have issues with the phone system here. I'll just... Oh, that should have sorted it out a bit better for you. Now, tell us about the crowd on the night. Like, there was 40,000-plus there. It's hard to find an exact figure.
3: Yeah, look, well, the gates, the gates ended up being... Uh, uh, well, I don't know about the gates, but the car parks everywhere. And if you've gone to the Cox Plate or anybody's been to the races before at Mooney Valley, it's a massive car park in there. You couldn't get another car in, like it's, you know, for miles all around. Everything was closed. You just couldn't get into the joint.
4: Yeah.
3: You had to park way down Bloody Puckle Street somewhere, or yeah. or, 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 or down near the restaurants. You just couldn't get in. It was a closed, virtually closed joint. It had over 40,000 people there. Uh, the the, the green stands. You'd have to get on the Google and have a look to believe it. Mm. Coxplate crowd, Coxplate crowd. So anybody watched the Coxplate last Saturday uh, before two weeks ago. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. You could not fit another person in. Taking bets that night, four and five deep. All night, non-stop. Just kept riding tickets after tickets. It was an incredible experience. And I listened to the call this morning. Yeah. Bill Collins was just incredible, how he how called it. It was a salty length. He just loved it. it was just unbelievable.
2: He says it about the 400 metre mark. He says um, village kid's on his back. He's got a bit to give or something, but he'll never let him out. And he didn't, did he, Till it was all Correct. over? Correct. Yeah.
3: Bill wasn't afraid to, uh, you know, make a comment. And, and and most of the time, he was right. Uh, the only one I've ever heard of him, Bill, uh, was Kingston Town Can't Win. <laughs> yeah. And it got yeah. up and won in a cost flake. But he was the accurate one. There's no better. It, it, it was just a great caller. Just 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 the tempo of way he called, everything was just sensational. It, it's a never-be-forgotten night that night, 1985.
2: Yeah, I, I can tell, and oh, I just I just wish I could have been there. It would have only been four, though, Tom. I don't reckon you would have let me get on at age four, would you?
3: No, I don't think so, Dave.
2: <laughs> so on the night, you would have been just about head down and hardly hardly seen a thing. I can't imagine you would have got away from the stand all night. Like, you would have been just flat out.
3: There was on on not sure if Sky was in it possibly might have been but on track you could see the films um around the track but I don't know if it was off off course that you could see it yeah yeah they probably would have had um one of the you know know, didn't have channel thirty one but there was other there was other uh, channels that you could get and free to air TV and all that sort of stuff Uh, you know Peter Donigan was one of the was part of the uh, show. Um, but it's, it, it, people would not believe it. You know, look, you'll go to Mel- Melton this year and hopefully get 12 to 15 there. Um, but they had, they had <laughs> all the police mounted horses, four or five of them um, there, it was incredible, incredible. And when the horses came out through the tunnel, they came out one at a time and the course announcer with yes. introducing say number 1 is Bundanoon and number 2 is Low Bell. Yeah. bang 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 but they weren't and then like the way they were introduced onto the track was incredible
2: like they were gladiators or something almost
3: yeah Ta- yeah the, um and the, the field you know the
2: the the media coverage the around field it. was yeah
3: oh Unbelievable! Four broadcasters on the night.
2: Yeah,
3: um, doing part different. But bro- the late Brian Blackmore called a race. Uh, Brian Martin called a race. Scotch Notch trial there broke the world record one fifty five point six in a trial, a time trial. Um, Brian Markovic called. Peter Donigan was uh, on the ground doing all the interviews. It, it was you know the who's who of racing was there.
2: Tom, I thank you for coming on, mate. Uh, unless you got—is there anything else you want to add to the night that that stands out to you?
3: No, not really. But it, it'll be a—it'll be a night that'll never be forgotten. Um, I think from memory, or just looking at a, a few notes. Gamalite, I think that was his last last win. Uh, last last race. race, it was. He yep. won the two previous in the Minions 83, eighty-three, eighty-four. Uh, he ran fourth in this one and. Leo O'Connor said it's time, retired him. that was uh, that was his last run. Uh, he was a um a champion, and look, over the years, I'd like to mention this. Um, Blackxaakke is has been the king. He, he's won four. Yeah. Um, I'm the mighty Queen three, our Vansalot three, Hondo Grattan two, Gamelite two, bow two. only good horses win, good trainers. And good drivers. It'll be a hell of a, a night on the final at Melton. Just get there. And don't forget, take on Tom.
2: <laughs> I hope they do take you on Tom. And hopefully, mate, it's not, you You got a Breeny's fella type result and not a Shake and Make a type result for you.
3: <laughs> okay, mate. Thanks for having us.
2: Good on you, Tom. There is Tom Hogan, a very, very famous man of harness racing and a great character of the sport and uh, love having Tom on. And you can just hear the passion still in it for him. And their sort of passion gets sparked from times like that night in 1985 where you can't, I just can't imagine 40-odd thousand at the trots if <laughs> you wouldn't get 40,000 in it, Melton. I don't know what we would do. We would have to open up the centre of the track and you would only—you still would struggle to get forty thousand in there. I don't know where that all park. The logistics of it would be enormous, and we'll get into a bit more of that later on in the show. Grant Tillett will join us after twelve o'clock, and also Clinton Welsh will be in that second hour as well. He was there on the night too. Uh, I was when I had Tom on. Now, I realised he was probably that busy fielding that night that he probably didn't wander around the track. He wouldn't have got up to see Pro Chevalier at the stables. And I wonder if Clinton Welsh, as a 24-year-old, went up and just stood to see him and see the drama that was unfolding when there was uh, rumours that the horse was sick and he wouldn't take his place in the night. So it uh, must have been an amazing night and great stories there from Tom Ogan. We thank him for coming on. Let's get... To the 11.30 news, we'll come back the other side and we'll catch up with uh, Darren Carroll and, who was on Giddy Up this morning and he's got a couple of tips with Ballarat tonight. So uh, it will won't be me on the other side. It'll be Darren Carroll who caught up with Gareth Hall on Giddy Up this morning.
0: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
2: Yeah, welcome back. Strots Live on a Wednesday. Let's catch up with Darren Carroll, who caught, who was on Giddy Up, as he is every day. Had a great night last night at Mildura. So let's see if he's found us some winners at Ballarat for tonight.
1: Harness Racing from Ballarat tonight. Darren Carroll joins me. Darren, you were seeing them beautifully once again at Mildura last night. What are we doing tonight from the Rats?
4: G'day, Gareth. Um, yeah, a couple of bets. I, I like uh, Race 7, Number 10, Wonga Lake. Um, it's about $5 earlier this morning, and I thought it would go out in the market, but it's already been specced, so currently um, pretty popular. Um, it's had one run back from a, from a little bit of a let-up, and before that run, it trialled really good at uh, Bendigo. Really liked its run at um, and where it sat three wide the last 600 in slick time and was still strong on the line and still kept coming behind a couple of nice horses. Um, Barrier 10 again tonight. I think they're speeding the race and I just think fitter for that one run back. It's uh, found a nice race. So I'm pretty keen on race 7, number 10, Wonga Lake. I was going to suggest to wait a little bit. But I still think it's probably found its price at the moment, so I'm thinking it's going to get out to about 5 or $6 before the jump, so happy to back it. Um, the other one I'm keen on is race nine, number six, Quiet Storm. This is a first starter for Xavier O'Connor and driven by Annalise Scott. They're both uh, young participants in the sport that are trying to make a make a show of it, and they're doing quite a good job. This horse had a couple of trials last preparation and didn't race, but uh, it trialed last week at and and uh, you had to be taken by that trial. Showed gate speed, worked to the front, something come around, and, you know, in a friendly trial, it just took the sit, um, and then pulled off the leader's back, turning for home, and just went to the line with a grip. So really liked its trial. Um, based on that, I think it's clearly the one to beat. The danger in the market, Jillyby Jive, uh, who's first up for, for Marg Lee, uh, went back and had a good look at its trials and its previous start, at its only start, it was a little bit rough out of the gate, and interestingly enough, on its last trial, it's exactly the same thing. Um, so I think if Quiet Storm pushes hard early, it might put a bit of pressure on this one, and I reckon we might be able to find the front. So mm-hmm. hence my confidence that uh, we've got the right one tonight in race nine, number six, Quiet Storm, and it's my best of the night.
1: It's interesting. I was I got a horse with the Leeds, and I asked them about that horse, and they said, well, if they lead, they will go very close, but... Um... Jason Lee will have to be at his best because it just seems to gallop out of the gate anyway. So um, D Carroll yeah, beat on five. Yeah, does a few fire. things wrong. Yes, yeah. it does a few things wrong. So we'll have race nine, number six; race
2: seven, number ten. There at Ballarat tonight, mate. Thanks, Gareth. <laughs> He's, yeah, that is from Giddy Up today. Uh, I am judging at Ballarat tonight. I am a busy beaver at the moment. Actually, got uh, the show here today. Got, uh, and I can tell you, this is live as Carey Street at Menawatu just won. 362 at Menawatu was the last race in case you're um, wondering if I'm doing some dodges and pre-recording stuff. No, this is live. So here today, Ballarat tonight, here tomorrow, and Kilmore tomorrow night than a short back up to Hamilton. So I'm a busy beaver. Not as busy as one man uh, in harness racing, though. James the Herb Herbertson. Very, uh, he's a good mate of mine. I'm, I'm, I can say that. He mightn't say that about me, but I'll say that about him. He went to Mildura last night, the Herb, and he reached 200 winners for the season, Australia wide. Uh, he's the leading Victorian driver this year. He's uh, still a concession driver in theory, but he's not really a concession driver. Let's face it. He's only 21 wins behind Peter McMullen, who's leading Australia wide with 221. Gary Hall Jr. is 211. Herbie is 200. Cameron Hart, 192. And a bloke by the name of Mark Pitt, who's absolutely flying, is on 188 wins. His percentage of winners is 59.71, Mark Pitt. So both Mark Pitt and James Herbertson, could harbour uh, dreams or hopes of winning the Australian title still. To be honest, Herb, I'm sorry to say it to your brother, but I think Pity might have more chance than you do, the way the Emma Stewart team is going at the moment. I wonder where Mark could get to by year's end and how many uh, winners he could get. Uh, It could... Pity, the way he's going, he could get the two to 260, which probably won't be enough as Pete McMullen he's 221, he's going to end up about 250, 260 as well and I think oh, I don't really know that much about the WA racing, so Gary Hall Jr. 211 he, he'd be do, he'd be doing well to get to that number as well, I would have thought so it is more of an open contest than maybe it looks the Australian, Austra, Australian drivers title and uh, best of luck to our man Herb and our man Mark Pitt in Victoria, uh, hopefully one of those two could get up and win it. Even better, maybe they could they could draw a dead heat, of, of, a photo finish, and uh, they could end up on the same amount of wins. Uh, that would be an even better result. Let's get a breakaway. Garrick Knight uh, with, the, with the New Zealand Trotting Cup yesterday. I wonder what kind of condition he's in. I reckon he's under the pump. There's a lot going on in Kiwi Racing at the moment. So we'll give him a uh, ring in this ad break and see if we can rustle up some info. There is a few key runners to look at uh, for for over the next two days here in Victoria. So we'll catch up with him on those two and a
0: little bit of a recap from yesterday. You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
2: Horses at racing New Zealand? He knows. Being hungover from a New Zealand cup? He knows. What oil the trainers use in their cars? Who knows? Knight exports at gmail.com. Garrick R. Knight on Twitter. Garrick, how big a day was it yesterday?
5: Good afternoon, Valvoline man. Sorry, good morning, where you are? Yes. Um, yes, no, uh, big day for me yesterday. I actually wasn't on track, would you believe. Yeah, um, After a couple of weeks, no, a couple of weeks of travelling around, I went to the Kaikoura meeting and I had other, did a couple of other trips away around the country and work just has backed up and I was sitting there looking, Monday night, I was looking, or well, Monday afternoon, I was looking at flights and oh, I could sneak down there for a couple of days as I had planned all along, but. Ultimately, I've just had so much stuff I have to do that if I went down there, I was going to just get further and further behind. So, went to a pub yesterday with a few mates who watched the races, had a few beers, et cetera, et cetera, and how those goes. But, uh, no, not hungover today, though I can report quite a few of my contemporaries uh, <laughs> telling me that they possibly do need a brocket or two this morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Oh, that's sort of what I, I had you in that, that boat, but. I forgot that you're the hardest-working man in in harness racing. So before we get to the New Zealand Cup, we'll tick a couple off. (laughs) Someone's just sent through some Zs for some reason on the text. Now, tonight of interest, race six, number 10, uh, is there any gossip around for this horse, Gossip Girl?
5: Gossip Girl, really, really nice filly, really nice filly. Um, she She was doing really good things over here back at the start of the year in strong company sectionals were excellent doing work gate speed you know total package Um, I know they picked her up for a pretty penny and I understand they've had a few issues with her steering Um, but I'm not sure if she's had a troll recently you'd have to bring me up to speed on that I know she had a troll a few months back and there was a few issues there um, with with her um, steering Um, but I see now she's with Darren Pace I assume, if she's in the races tonight, they are happy with her. Um, and, like, the best version of her wins that race, no doubt about that. Um, she's a really nice filly. So, hopefully they've ironed out her um, quirks and kinks, and we have got something nice to go on with.
2: Very good. Uh, Tomorrow, Mary Burrow, there's a couple... I think actually, yeah. I don't know if we talked about in that same that same race. Have we talked about Frank Burns already?
5: Maybe we did a couple of weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I we mean did. didn't interrupt you.
2: Yeah, no, so comparing to Frank Burns, if the two of them in a race, you, you're you all over Gossip Girl by the sounds of it.
5: Oh, oh, for sure. For sure, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but obviously I don't know what uh, how good Jess Tubbs' horse is or even uh, bet on Betty. So, but I dare say they'd have to be fairly good to beat the best version of Gossip Girl.
2: Yep, that's all we, we can ask from you, mate. We don't uh, need you to do the rest of the form. Now... Uh, well, you can if you want, but <laughs> Maryborough tomorrow. But we do marvel. We do marvel at uh, what you do. Uh, race one, number two, another one right. who's marvel at you, Al Marvella. It's a Brent Lilly train trotter that's obviously come over here for the Breeders' Crown, I think.
5: I guess so. Um, she has had an ownership change or a restructure. Yep. She was owned owned and trained by Kevin Townley and his business over here. I see now in the ownership Kevin and his I want to say daughter, Hayley Wall, are still involved, but also now is it the friend of the show, Sooty Hunt, I think, has Correct. taken a share and uh the fellow Mackenzie that's in the fellow McKenzie that's in Queen Alita, he's jumped in and taken a share as well. Um I can say is what I saw at her trials, which was a very clean pair of heels, good gate speed, and she convincingly beat Sunday Sun's sister, which is a really nice filly. Sunny, I think it's actually called Sunny Sister. Mm-hmm. She's had two or three starts now, for a couple of placings behind some good fields, so it's good form. Mavella went straight to the front, the one I watched recently, and um, did it easily. And she'd had a couple of nice workout wins before that. So, um, yep, a blue blood. From the right stable to the right stable, the right. old owners have stayed in. That's always a good sign. Yeah. And has the trial form, so we know how little goes with these imports. And Mr. Hunt's about most he ended up in the top five for luckiest owners uh, of importers in the country. So, <laughs> so he, I think mean, he's got a few rabbit foots in his back pocket. So,
2: <laughs> Very well played. He's a he's a lucky bugger actually, and and he's a pretty good fella too. He puts uh, he puts as much in as he takes out. I'll give him that. Now. Race two, number six, Aroha Kenny at Maryborough, are Aroha, which means love in todayo, so it's love, Kenny.
5: Um, Yep, Phil Williamson and Brad, who is listed as a driver. I'm not sure if Brad's going over to drive her. I would doubt it, given he's got to be back at Addington on Friday to drive Majestic Man. Um, but he is listed, so maybe he is. I'll actually have to double-check that. Of course, they won the Worthy Queen free-for-all, that combo at Addington yesterday with majestic man. Um, this is a really nice filly, uh, high quality. She cleared out and won her last start down the line. it was at Ascot Park. It was She beat nothing, um, with due respect to the opponents. But I know back when she went up to Addington in September, second start, strong field, and punted off the map and there was plenty of coat-pullers wanting to tell me to back that horse that night in the good field for a shot. So, taking a line through that, and the fact that Phil has sent her over there for a British crown heat, yeah, I guess uh, wait and see how she'll adapt to a stronger company and a mobile and everything else that comes with the travel and everything, but the wraps are high and Phil doesn't send them over there to run second or third, so I would say goal one tomorrow will be get around in one piece and and some points to qualify and, um, yeah, then look out for in the final.
2: Just to complicate things more for you, Brad Williamson's down for one drive at Kilmore Thursday night as well for a horse trained by Justin Livingston, Rain Dealer Loon. So uh, I assume he's coming over, mate, for the one drive at Maryborough and then back to Kilmore for a drive and then he's probably back to the airport to fly home. It's bizarre in a way, isn't it?
5: That's impressive. So, fill the gaps in for me here. Why would he be driving for Justin Livingston? What? Is he, uh, what's the connection there? And how far is Kilmore from Maryborough? Uh,
2: Maryborough to Kilmore be two hours, maybe. And, oh, look, I can, can't tell you much about Justin Livingston. Maybe they stay at his place or something. I, I have no idea what the connection is. We'll have to get to the bottom of it, because that's what a journalist does, I suppose. That's really random. I can tell you Livingston was um So more that...
5: closer to the airport than there.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's closer, but you almost gotta drive past the airport to get there in a in a roundabout sense. So um yeah, I can't I can't answer that one, but yeah. All right. We'll get to the bottom of it one way or another. Well, the
5: fields have only just come out for Addington, so the drivers haven't been
2: confirmed yet.
5: But I dare say, I mean, Majestic Man's in a Group 1 for 300000 on Friday. <laughs> and Brad himself as trainer has three or four horses on the undercard.
2: So, yeah. We'll wait and see. It'll play out over the next few days. Now, what did what did you make of copy that winning and... I've kind of said the last few weeks to a few people that the end of this race will crown a horse the Austral- Australasia's best horse. But I'm not sure we can do that, can we?
5: Yeah, I've got an interesting one. I mean, my initial take on the race was it was quite boring. I mean, he went to the front as expected. To me, the key was always going to be what does Rock and Roll do? Hanover do, Rock and Roll do, do, with McStanley. And... Um, once he missed away, that probably took away the element of, shall we say, him roughing up, yeah. copy that, or even trying to take the lead off him. Uh, that's that part. But Blair Orange controlled the tempo well. I initially thought he maybe was getting away with it, but they ran 3.54, which is, you know, close enough to, I think the world record's three two or 1, Lazarus. So within a second of the world record. So they were in good time, maybe just a good drive. But yeah. Nothing to come off the speed majestic cruiser probably the run of the race I mean he just it was a great drive but he also got held up on the side and flew home the last mile was about 152 two self assured huge old town road too far back flew home so there's lots of good runs in behind can't take it away from the winner he had the manners he had the speed he had the staying power um, and the time reflects that so good on them um, no doubts about the win. Um, and he's not backing up Friday. So, and I, as I'm led to believe, they're not going to the Inter-Dominions either. So they're going to pick and choose where they go now, um, as is their right. But it sets up a great race on Friday. The fields are out. Rock and roll dudes draw on the front line. Uh, five, just at cruiser outside of the second line, but probably not the end of the world for him. I think he followed from memory. Follows out a fairly decent gate runner. So, Cam should get a nice track through.
2: Yeah, I wasn't disappointed with Rock and Roll Dude's run. He looked a bit flat even though he lost that ground early, but then when you look at the times, it's just not possible that he could make up ground early and then make up ground late as well on those times. I reckon he went absolutely terrific. As most of the field did on times.
5: Well, if the winner's going 1 last mile on 153 5. Yeah. How can anything in the back half of the field Yeah. Make any ground, especially like especially Rock and Roll do after he's missed away and you know lost the six lengths. It just it was unfortunately for them and for for the owners, um, it was a bit of a non-event, which is disappointment. But hey, there's still a The race on Friday is still worth two hundred thousand, and that's Group One. So there's plenty of hope and optimism. Um, there's going to be a lot of speed on that front line. Cranbourne's drawn inside him. Spankham's drawn outside him. So there's two two gate runners there, um, and I'm damn sure Mr. Stanley would want to go forward. He won't want to be leaving this one to chance. So, yeah. and then throw an ultra wise guy drawn one with his stablemate Betty Joe on the back of him. So, plenty of fireworks coming. A really intriguing race, and a good opportunity for Victoria to get some further spoils um, from the Cup Carnival.
2: Yeah, hope so. Good on you, Garrick. Thanks for coming on, mate. I know how busy you are at the moment, so really appreciate it. As per every other week, we really appreciated that too. All no, good, mate. All right, I'll catch you next week. It is Garrick Knight, and we just love that little delay that the phone box gives us in between our conversations. It is, uh, you can, there is a little trick we've learned how to fix it that uh, you've got to put the people on hold and then bring him back up again, which is a bit difficult mid-conversation. Anyway, let's get to a break. We'll come back. We've got a big second hour still to come with Grant Tillett and Clinton Welsh. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and we'll continue our focus on the 1985 Inter-Dominion, it was the ultimate Inter-Dominion Pacing Championship and Grant Tillett was the, well I asked Grant what his role was actually at that time. Firstly Grant mate, uh, it's a long time ago but so many people that will be listening to this show would have met you across the journey and uh, wouldn't know what you're doing or where you are these days so welcome and thanks for coming on to the show and tell us a little bit about uh, one, how you are today and, and what you're doing with yourself these days.
6: Oh, well, good. Good day, Toby. Uh, yes, I've been uh, poking around in Ballarat um, pretty much since uh, I finished up with the board. Um, we had property here and, uh, and uh, we made it our home. Um, so I did spend um, uh, probably 10 years or something like that on the uh, committee of Ballarat after, um, after I finished the board. Um, and um worked out of it. Um it's been an interesting uh interesting act. Um, I, I've spent more of my uh, more of my entire life actually involved uh, with administration of one way or another than I have um on any any other uh, uh any other occupation.
2: Very good. So the 1985 Inter-Dominion, what was your role at what was called the board back then? Often people call it the board back then, but now it's known commonly as HRV. So what was your role at uh, HRV or slash the board in 1985?
6: Well, for the Inter-Dominion, I, it, it, I was really commandeered to uh, uh, to put it together. Um, the the board of the day, uh, were a bit lax actually, and uh, they cut it pretty fine. And uh, eventually, when they finally decided that we need to do something special, um, yeah. it was um, it was a, a fairly rushed event. But uh, it turned out, uh, I think it turned out fairly well in the end. Um, it, the ultimate in the Dominion uh, was a, was a name that uh, was very topical because at that time um, we had uh, just. Uh, Completed uh, computerizing the entire industry. Prior to that, uh, it had all been a pen and pencil operation.
1: Yeah.
6: And the the company that, uh, that 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 supplied the computer system and did the software work was called Ultimate Computers. Yeah. And uh, they sponsored that uh, that, that carnival. Um, uh, their two hundred thousand dollars made the whole uh, the, the whole event uh, uh, operational. Uh, two hundred thousand dollars a day—not a lot of money, but um, but uh, it, in those days it was a fair whack.
2: Yeah, well, that, yeah, that'd be to the tune of half a million these days, plus some.
6: Yeah, well, that's right, that's right. Um, uh, but there was a there was a, a crew of uh, <clears throat> crew of people that uh, got involved. Um, I had been racing manager, still was racing manager at the time. Um. But, uh, but I gave most of my time, my effort at, for that period uh, to the inter-dominion. Duncan McPherson uh, um, handled the, uh, the the public relations side of it. And um, Jerry Lawler, Lawler was uh, chairman of stewards. And uh, uh, in between us, uh, I think the carnival went pretty well.
2: It certainly did. So leading up to the carnival, what was involved in organising an interdominion in the 80s like... Uh, Pro Chevalier was the boom horse of the time. Were you, were you on the phone to connections and trying to get them to come over? Of course, Village Kid came over from WA as well, and there was other horses from over uh, from New Zealand and all around Australia. Come, so th- was there a bit of, uh, you know, getting on the phone and and talking to connections and getting them to come across to, for an inter Dominion series? Well-
6: well not that you could say john Sadler was the was a guy who was responsible at that time for that that sort of work <clears throat> but um, people wanted to come um you didn't have to do much encouraging um they they were anxious to be be a part of it <clears throat> and um it it was it was the the event of 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 the year and um um it 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 was an honor just to be in the in the in the event, never mind about the race itself mm. um, um, we had we had no trouble uh, um, getting horses and the good ones all wanted to come
2: Gamelite won the two previous years eighty three eighty four was the feeling around you know did people really want to see him win three in a row? was that the the local feeling to victorians to see this great horse, gamelite make it a three P?
6: Yeah well he was a pretty good horse wasn't he yeah. um, he
2: uh,
6: he uh, yeah, yeah, well, you 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 put me on the spot because I really don't know the answer to the question and yeah, um, because um uh, as I yeah. said, as I said before um, um trainers wanted to be in the race and and the owners were prepared to bring him um, we we didn't do any deals or or um, make any concessions for uh, uh, for people uh, with, with horses. They they made up, made up their own mind and, and participated in the event either because they wanted to uh, for their for, for sake or they thought they could win. it.
2: Now, t- going through the heats, it was three rounds of heats and. Pro Chevalier famously won all three of his heats. He broke a track record over the 1970 metres. And coming into the final, he was a $1.50 favourite for the race. Uh, the the build-up and the excitement around this horse, was it massive around everyone talking about Pro Chevalier, this boom horse?
6: Uh well, he's got... He's got... Well, don't take this the wrong way. He got his just desserts. He he was entitled to be um, lauded as, as 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 the champion of the day, and and he was. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, I, I was I was a, it's the sort of administrator that that never got involved too much uh, in the ifs and buts and maybes of who should be in the race. I I. I held the view that uh, all the races that we were running were were there for the, for, the, for people to uh, compete in, and um, there were enough uh, horses around at that time that uh, it was it was a bit difficult unless you had a good one it was a bit difficult to get a run. So so um, we we, uh, we there were there was no need to be out touting for horses. They uh, they, they all wanted to come because the end of the million in those days was. And still is,
2: I guess um, uh, the, the event of the year. I just meant um, in the last few nights after he'd won three heats, you know, on the Thursday, Friday night before the actual final, was he all the talk pro Chevalier? Was it front and back page of the paper? And, you know, famously, if 40,000 people turned up to Mooney Valley, and was, were they all there to see this horse pro Chevalier, or were they there to see Gamelite, or just to see the whole race?
6: Well, it, it depends who you talk to uh, the answer <laughs> of that question. Um, yeah. I would say that they were there because <laughs> through through Duncan's, uh, Duncan McPherson's efforts, uh, pu- publicity wise, um, we had milked uh, the 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 event for all it was worth, and it was uh, and it was on on everybody's lips without any question, and. Um, Uh, It an interesting sidebar to this. um, um, uh, Ian McEwen was the CEO, of course, of the Mini Valley Racing Club. And and, and at that time, he was a thoroughbred man through and through. and not too interested in harness racing, but we were his tenant. And he was poking mud at us because he thought we were going to have a half-pie sort of a final event. And uh, and, uh, the little story is that uh, he was swamped he and his people were swamped on the night by the crowd that came.
4: Yeah.
6: To the extent that Ian was short of staff out in the centre where they were parking the cars, and Ian spent the first two, two hours of the evening parking cars because he was a parking attendant short, and he said to me afterwards, "See, well, you did it, didn't you? So, And and we did. Um. And, But it was an event. It it, it wasn't just a race. It was an event. Um. And uh, the gods favoured us, and, um, and created the, uh, the mystique that was needed to, uh, to uh, in, in, encourage people to come.
2: It, it was an event, and you hear about in the modern day. You know they have bands playing at the Cox Plate and stuff like that, but that was nothing new. You had Renee Geyer who was pretty big I imagine in 1985 playing and you had the parade of champions you had a highland band there and a fireworks display so there was, it wasn't just as you say it was just a, a all encompassing event wasn't it
6: well we set out to make it an event not just a not just a trotting race we set out yeah. to make it an event and we set out to make the final of it something something spectacular and and uh, there's no doubt that uh, <laughs> you mentioned the other bands. Um, uh, and and uh, I don't know how successful we were. I can't remember exactly how successful we were. But invitations were issued to every single pop band in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a very, very large number mm-hmm. of bands that played on that night. But the trick to that was that for every bandsman that came, three or four other family members came. So uh a fair number of the fair number of the people <laughs> on the ground that night were actually associated with the Highland Bands and in my view it was uh it was one of the uh, most successful elements of the of, of the event, um and uh, it was a lesson uh, to 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 to, uh, to me to uh to spread your wings fairly widely when you're looking for uh, events uh and we had an okay, you're quite right. Um You've got no idea the the trouble I got into with in Ian McKellen that we had to drive some steel pegs into the racetrack to put up the put up the um, the, the uh, stage. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. And that that took three weeks of, the, of my life trying to get permission to drive these steel pegs into the into the into the damn racetrack, <laughs> the <laughs> holy grail of the, of, of, of the merry Racing Club, right at the winning post. But but, it, but anyway, it happens. <laughs> Uh, and it was a successful event, and, and everybody involved in it
2: was very proud of the, of the of the end result. 100% the biggest crowd ever seen at Mooney Valley. And I think they lost count at about 40,000 because there's varying reports of the numbers now. Do you remember stall 92A on the night? It was the stall of Pro Chevalier and... Uh, there was there was certainly a drama before the race so i don't know how much of it you were involved with but i'm sure you were able to recount uh, all the drama just even after you arrived pro Chevalier and before the start of the race
6: well actually i can't um that that was uh, i had other 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 well, you might think that i'm the uh, bit surprised but uh, the event itself was was um, was of my interest. Um, the individuals in the event um, were um, the stewards. Uh, for the stewards to worry about, and uh, and um, they they were once the horses were there, they they t- they took charge of them. Yep. And um, the, uh, um, the the race eventually went on, and everything was fine.
2: It did eventually go on and it was some sort of a performance from Pro Chevalier. He went around him three wide in uh, the early to mid stages of the race. He, he took the front and he he was just too strong. It was a heady drive by Barry Perkins as well. And what what was it like for you and all the work you'd put in over a number of months just to see the, the pinnacle of the night obviously was the Inter-Dominion final and to stand back and see the crowd and... And the race all happening and unfolding must have been a wonderful feeling at the time, or you may not have really took it in in that moment
6: ah uh, yes i did I, I did for sure um, it, it, uh, it, we needed a good race hmm. um, with a bit of internal drama associated with it to uh, to to make the event um newsworthy if you like and attractive yeah um we were very lucky i i think uh the, the event turned out to be it, it, it's not hard for a big event like that to be a fizzer um but that one was anything other than a fizzer that's for sure it was uh it was a, a very 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 worthy race um for uh for that and we were all really really pleased um uh, it was a big effort on the part of the entire staff of the board. Um. Um we were, uh, there were lots and lots of people who'd, who played roles, uh, their own role. And, and, and for once, everything in the world uh, uh, aligned. And, and, and we, we came out of it with uh, with growing, uh, growing reports afterwards. Uh, and we were all really satisfied and very pleased.
2: Now, just on a side note, did Barry Delaney tell me a story about you jumping on a clerk of the course's horse and riding around to the back straight to do something?
6: I always like to be involved if there was something unusual.
2: Yep. And yes,
6: that is what I did. Um, um, and there is a photo. There is a photo of me doing it somewhere in the in the, in the annals of, of history. Um, yeah. was I needed to get around the back straight. I forget what it was about. Uh, um, well, in fact, uh, you, you, you've pricked my memory now, and, and I remember getting on the horse. Um, was in between races, I mean, it was only a convenient way of getting around here in hurry. Um, but yes, Barry uh, <laughs> is quite correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you've just you've just said to the clerk, oh, "I need to get around the back straight to check something," and just jumped on his horse and took off.
6: Lamp- I said, "Yeah, he got off and I got on." I said, "Get
2: off! I want your horse for a minute," and <laughs> uh, and
6: and, uh, and that's what happened. <laughs> uh,
2: the, ca- the things you do,
6: you know. But anyway, <laughs> the,
2: the current uh, general manager of racing, Stephen Bell, uh, who you wouldn't know, he's uh he's a he's a he's a gallops man, and his partner does a bit of horse riding as well, but. Uh, I would give you ten thousand to one that he'll be on the clerk of the horse course on uh, Inter Dominion night this year to uh, to ride around the back straight to check on something. So we'll put the challenge out to Stephen Bell uh, to see if he can do that. Now, uh, the Inter Dominion this year uh, is there's actually heats at Ballarat, right? And I don't know, um, Grant, what your plans are, and I haven't spoken to Paul Rouse, but I tell you what, it'd be bloody great to see you there and get to meet you.
6: Uh, well, I, I haven't been uh, to the track here in Ballarat, maybe oh, since COVID anyway. Um, I, I used to go prior to that. I went uh, a couple of three times a year, but um, at COVID... Uh, at, at my age, you try to stay away from COVID as much as possible. So I've kept a, kept a low profile, but um, 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 we'll see.
2: All right, Grant. Thanks so much for your recollections of the 1985 Inter Dominion and what a what a unusual and uh, individual seat that you had throughout the whole series. As the master and commander of it, I suppose, is the general manager of racing and the organiser of the Inter-Dominion, the ultimate Inter-Dominion and probably the one that goes down as, as the most famous at Mooney Valley, the biggest crowd ever. So thanks for your recollections of it and uh, hope to see you soon at Ballarat One Night, Grant.
6: You never know. It could be, it could be there. You never do know. All right. Thank you for this morning.
2: Okay, thanks, Grant.
0: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon. Welcome
2: back to Trot's Life. Now, Mitch Obey is on the line. Mitch, uh, you've just put up a tweet a few minutes ago now. Race one, number eight, Brutal Power. They're just boxing them up here, mate
7: in to $1.90. Suggest it can run when they back maidens like that. Um, I heard it may have trialled half a ride as well. So uh, we just hope it can cross from the outside um, and get to the front.
2: I've th- I did this to you last week as well on short notice. You they, did. They're just away. Lucky the,
7: other, lucky the second one got up last
5: week, which I declared.
2: Yeah, I know, mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the last few hundred metres as this thing hasn't jumped.
5: Going up to third there was second That's Arky not ideal. And fourth was Bale. I, can you then see it? It's running about fifth.
2: Back, got some work no, to no do. I can't see it at the moment. Just, well just got into fourth. And making ground. Five lengths off him. JD's shaking Arky's his head. Hard. It's not going to get there. Flash about a half in front. Flash well, this <laughs> exact, exact thing happened last week, Mitch. We got you on.
7: I know. I might, uh, might have to start declining the calls. No, I won't do that. I'm not uh, that kind of person. But uh, hopefully we can get the next one up at the Meadows, which is race three, number eight. It's a three-dog field now. It's uh, around 5.50 the win. My worry is I don't know how genuine it is to win, but they had it at $2.20 the place earlier before the late, well, the two late scratchings. Unfortunately, no second or third div now, but uh, it's still going to be a massive chance to win. So I think I think you can still back it with... Decent amount of confidence,
2: and I see you've put one on the tweet as well. Race nine, number one, Kalinda chips. There's been a lot of good dogs named Kalinda. Now I don't know much about greyhounds, so don't don't hold that against me. It's a dollar seventy-five over the five forty-five. Too good for him. Uh, it should
7: be way too good. It's stepping up in distance every start. It's been flying home, so I think this thing is drawn to perfection. Uh, it'll step a lot cleaner today and uh, with them instead of. Uh, behind them, because obviously the the further you go in distance, the, the slower they begin. Um, and I think Missyman was just run all over them. It's a smaller field. Uh, it's been doing it tough in its last couple, coming from a long long way back. But yeah, the the Kalinda dogs absolutely flying at the moment. I read something the other day: four track records from the last three litters. So uh, it's phenomenal. They're doing a great job, and I think a dollar seventy five was uh, is still overs.
2: Very good. Thanks for the call, mate. On zero notice and uh having a chat. Hopefully anytime. you found a winner or two for the boys and uh Big Fellows just texting in about something else. So no doubt, no doubt he's dropped them down. Thanks, Mitch.
7: Now anytime, mate, hopefully we can
2: make it uh, a win from uh, the next couple. Beautiful. Now, J D has uh stepped in and I have got your mic on, J D, so Hi, mate. You haven't been. Nice uh, to be back. Now it is nice to have you back. We're gonna go to the news, but uh Big fellas texted in a question for you straight off the cuff. He is. uh, He has. Interesting
1: to see Connor McKenna maybe returning here to play for the Saints. Thoughts, JD? I saw that report. Mitch Cleary threw it out there last night on Channel 7. I I was surprised but excited. Bit of dash off halfback would be nice. I'm just wondering. I'm just thinking... Uh, the Saints might have entered the race a little bit too late. I think Big Fella probably knows a little bit more than he's letting on. I reckon Brisbane are probably leading that race for him. Uh, but if he chooses to come to St Kilda, he's got a connection there. The uh, the head of fitness is from Ireland as well, Nick Walsh.
2: That doesn't mean they're connected. Well, they're
1: Irish. You know, Irish they're people connected. like to stick together. <laughs> Brendan Goddard also there now as well. Played with Connor McKenna for a lot of his uh, early days of his career. So. There's there's connections there. Maybe he wants to just add a little bit of white to the to the red and black that he wore for so long. Uh, who knows? But I would love him to play for St Kilda. We'll see her in Bobs. Is Irish? So she Connor is. can come in here. And... She is absolutely because uh, they're connected. I don't know. I don't know if the <laughs> Brisbane public get around <laughs> Irish people as much as the Melbourne public do. So I'm I'm hoping that's sways him, in. But uh, look, it, it, I think it'll be Brisbane. It'll be Port or it'll be St Kilda. Who knows? But he's got a decision to make as a delisted free agent next week. Very good. Was he that good? I mean, uh, not not a superstar, but he he you know he had the he dash. Did. He's got the run. He's got the speed and the pace, and that helped him big time. So that, that that's a big asset and a big attribute to have. But any club will take him, I'm sure.
2: We've gone off uh, the trots for a minute or two. We here. have. We'll yeah. come back the As other always. side. I have got another couple of All questions right, for you on the other side of the news. Cool.
7: The Sen.
0: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
2: Were they Irish? No, no, American. Oh, were they? Yeah,
1: yeah well, there's U2 there. You could have played U2. Oh, that's Beautiful I was looking, day. I was looking for a U2. I should it be up the top for, there. Somewhere. I was looking
2: for an Irish band. it's ah, all right. Big fellas just gone bang on the. Uh, well, no, it's tenner. it's a
1: it's a good point. I mean, he's you know was he that he said good call Toby was he that good? I don't rate him, but hey, that's only my opinion. As I said, he wasn't a superstar, Tobes, but he he played a role, and and line breakers are as valuable in football these days as anyone, and he was quick, and that was the thing. Now, Bombers fans would probably know him better than most, but guys who can guys who can burst through off half back and and set you up down the field. Are a dime a dozen, you know. Adam Sard does it for Carlton, and a couple others across the league as well. You know, guys like Caleb Daniel—not necessarily speed, but he's got the poise and he's got the he's got the skill as well. We're so,
2: more, um, oh, what's his name? We have got another one that's better than him at that. Bailey Williams,
1: Bailey Dale, Bailey Dale, Bailey Dale. Yep, uh, yeah, you're right. So you need the speed, and you need the you need the you know guys who can use the footy. So and he's a bit crafty. I, I'm not saying he's a superstar. He'll certainly help if he goes to St Kilda. He'll he'll the, the way I look at it with these recruits, you've got to look at what you've got there at that moment and will that be an improvement on that position? So, you know, last year St Kilda's halfbacks were Brad Hill. Now Brad Hill probably with the with Ross Lyon there, the former coach at Fremantle, he'll move to a wing. Over the... Uh, over the hill. I, I
2: it's
1: not, not your worst. I've missed those times. I, I think he moves to a wing and then there's a spot there. So you have Sinclair on one halfback line and then hopefully Connor McKenna on the other. Who knows? But if he goes to Brisbane, I mean, they are going to be stacked with talent. I don't think he's the—he's not the worst player, but he's not a, a superstar. But anyway, let's see. Next week, you'll make a call on on that. I would—I uh, would imagine. My, my, my other question was, how you been, mate? I'm well, busy. Been, <laughs> yeah, been a busy, been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, you know, T Twenty World Cup has been taking all my attention, which has been great. I think it's been a an amazing tournament we've seen a lot of upsets and and a lot of good cricket played i think we've had two probably major blowouts and one of them was australia against new zealand i mean they got absolutely belted in that first game
2: australia lost one game they carried on like we lost everything i know but
1: they got belted in that game toby that, and that that really cost them that, that cost them late in the tournament
2: 20 i think there's or other time. i think
1: there's other issues going on with the with australian cricket that you know are, are there and and probably more why people are getting annoyed as well, but anyway, they move on to three three ODIs against England coming up this week, and then the Test series against West Indies and uh, and South Africa. So, but no, I've been busy, mate. It's been good, very good. Mm. Good to have you back. Thanks, here anyway, mate. Nice to be for back a little bit. <laughs> let's see if I remember how to do this. Oh, no,
2: you're fine. This is the. <laughs> I'm looking forward to being
1: abused by tags today.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, you better get his water sorted <laughs> out. Oh, gee whiz, out. <laughs> you better get his water. The sorted little man. Out. Good on you, JD. Great having you back, mate. Uh, let's get to a break. We'll come back with Clinton Welsh on the other side.
0: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
2: Welcome back to Trot's Life. Our final chat for today is with Clinton Welsh, who, another person who I'm envious, envious of today as they he was there on that famous night. It was March 9th, 1985, mm. and... Uh, my math serves me correct, Clinton. You would have been about 24 years of age. How are you and uh, whereabouts are you today? Uh,
8: you're right, Toby. Uh, good afternoon to you and whoever's listening. I, uh, You're pretty right with your maths. And uh, I've just finished finished work, or finished work in the morning, and, and I've got a bit to do this afternoon. But uh, it was a, a, a memorable night. I can't remember a lot about the, the drives that I had on the night. Yeah. Um, one, one of them was a horse called Docker Charlie, who was named after a, a famous uh, person that was associated with the docks, and the other one was a horse called Richmond Adina, who was out of a former Inter Dominion winning Mayor Richmond Lass, trained by Jack Moore. But uh, the night itself was unbelievable. I can remember the crowd being similar to what it was like if you if you uh, walked through a grand final crowd at the AFL. Um, you could not move anywhere. I watched the race, uh, the big race, the Pro Chevalier one, up in the, the grandstand on the steps. I couldn't get anywhere to see it because, yeah. as you would be aware, I'm, I'm a bit short in stature, <laughs> but uh, I was able to able to find somewhere to, to watch it. And, and uh, a lot of drama before the race where there was a, you know, a bit of a cloud over whether he was going to be fit to take his place or not. And it took quite a time, but uh, he was eventually declared fit to run and and uh, the rest is history but but what a great field i think if you look through it there was probably three inter-dominion winners uh, yeah. over the course in that race with uh, village kid being unlucky to run second uh gamma light a former multiple winner was in the race i think he ran fourth or fifth and uh just a great field great atmosphere the crowd, they really don't know how many were there because when they closed the gates, they just went over the top of them. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. that was just an incredible night. I'm, I've never seen anything like it. So, yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, uh, I think everyone that would, would have been there is, uh, would, would not have forgotten anything about it because it was one a one-off. Never seen it before, never seen it since.
2: Did you go and see him, like go up to the stall or something and see him, or you might have during the used, heats or something? To,
8: he actually used he actually used to uh like when they do the stall allocations, he was always next to where I had my horses. And yeah. his trainer, Barry Perkins, was a sort of a very shy man. He'd had a, a couple of run with with the media early in Pro Chevalier's career and he he wouldn't talk to them. But uh I'd raced against him a little bit, and i had quite a few chats with him in the in the driver's room. And uh, he was you know, he was quite a nice fellow, but he, he felt that he were, he'd been burnt by the media, so he just said, "I won't talk to any of them," you know. And this has happened in different codes over time, but uh, what a shame because uh, you know he was he was an unbelievable horse, and I I do think that he must have been a little bit off the night that he won the Inter because he wasn't as impressive as what he was in previous or starts after that you know, so he mightn't have been 100% but he's still good enough to do the job on the night
2: <laughs> Well that just he went around 3 wide though in the fastest part of the race, uh, quite famous, took Village Kid on for the lead and uh, Chris Lewis said no and and that's the part of the race Pro Chevelli actually went around him 3 wide so he did a fair bit of work and It was all this, everything that happened beforehand and you say yourself, he didn't seem like he was quite right. Then Barry just held him, almost held him back to them to keep Village Kid in the pocket and then just dashed up the straight. Like, it was like he was winning just an MO or something, you know, where he was just classes above him.
8: He actually drove him a little bit different to how he used to. I was fortunate enough to drive horses like Quite Famous and My Lightning Blue and uh, parading against him quite a bit. Yeah. And if you were in front, whatever speed you let him go when he come, uh that was the speed that he he kept going at. Like if you made him do a bit of work, he didn't back off. He just yeah, yeah. he absolutely drilled you. Yeah, yeah, But if you gave it to him a little bit soft, uh he would <coughs> he give you a little bit of a chance to to <laughs> get some money, you know, but yeah, yeah. that night he drove him a little bit different to how he had other nights in the when he got to the lead, he backed off on him, which is something he he very rarely did. So, the horse mustn't have been a hundred percent. I'm sure it wasn't; wouldn't have been life threatening or anything like that. Because the way that he talked about the horse, he thought too much of him to to uh, do anything to him that would be detrimental. But he just he must have had a bad night, like most of us can have at different times.
2: I just it's staggering to think that. You're saying he had a bad night pro Chevalier and he won the Inter-Dominion final. How good he was and, and how far advanced he was compared to the rest of that field. And as you say, like Gamelite was shooting for his third Inter-Dominion in a row and Village Kid won the next one. So he must have been staggeringly yes,
8: good. you know, But with quality horses like Quite Famous and Gosh and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and horses like that in the field. Now, Toby Dwayne was a terrific horse, David Aiken had in Sydney at the time uh yeah, yeah. you know uh, there was it was a Panyan was a, a terrific horse right you know yeah. some really top horses uh, and i have forgotten something probably but but uh you know they were all worthy inter dominion finalists and uh yeah great depth in that field but uh, having having said that i you know it's not uncommon for a horse that's a superstar to be able to Beat to win a big race when they're a little bit off blacks are fake won a victoria cup when he was a bit off so um things like that can happen sportsmen win you know finals of tennis and football and things like that when they're a little bit off they just are able to lift for the for the occasion probably pretty flat after it but at the time they're uh, they're able to do it I think that's what sets... I think adrenaline's a wonderful thing. Yeah,
2: adrenaline is a wonderful thing. You're right. But I think that's what sets true champions apart because they still win when they are a bit under, you know, when they're not feeling 100%. So, yeah, Clinton, uh, thanks so much for coming on. It was at a bit of short notice. only texted you this morning, but uh, uh, we've got to get to a break. But thanks so much for coming on, mate, and uh, giving us some recollections from that, that famous night in 1985.
8: Not a problem at all, Toby. Good on you. Thank there,
2: you. There's Clinton Welsh. And yes, I know he's got runners. I know Brett Carroll will be saying, ask him about his runners. Ask him about his runners. He's got a runner at Kilmore tomorrow night. Do it, Shepparton. Sorry, Brett. That's not what that chat was about. And I'm sure all three of those horses will win over those those two meetings. Now I didn't ask him. So you can he can take that to the bank, mate. Now uh, that is Trot's Life for today. Uh, We will get to a break and Palmer Bet with Lee Dalton will be up after the break. And then the boys, Miles and Tags, will be taking over the airways from 1 o'clock tomorrow. It's moving day on Trot's Life. We move our attention to the weekend. I haven't spoken to Tim O'Connor yet, but uh, I assume he's back and into the swing of it for a big show tomorrow. We'll be teeing off with Tim uh, from 11 o'clock tomorrow. Mick Gooran, he'll be an interesting chat, Mick, after the running of the New Zealand Cup. And where exactly now do we hold a horse like Copy That? Back-to-back New Zealand Cups. He's had disappointing Victorian campaigns. Be interested to get Mick's thoughts on it because he summarises things so brilliantly well. And also uh, Jamie Cockshut. I've got a strange idea for a guest uh, that we're going to try and get up on uh, with Jamie Coxshutt for Taz Racing. So stay tuned for all that tomorrow from 11 o'clock. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to JD for being back on, well, not on the buttons. I've been on the buttons, but producing and looking after us. We'll hand it over now to Miles and Tags for the rest of the day. I'm off to Ballarat to judge. If you're there, I'll see you tonight.